The message today is entitled, and before I get any further, just uh, introduce myself. I, um, I'm Paul Etvin. I'm one of two pastors here at Submerged Church. And if this is your first time with us, just want to extend a, a very warm welcome. My, my co-pastor Bob and his lovely wife Lila are with us today, and they've had all kinds of stuff going on with having to go to Fort Myers Beach and deal with this and that. And so uh, keep praying for Bob and Lila, especially Bob, as, he, as he's the treasurer of their uh, HOA there, or the, the condominium, and, and uh, has a lot to be waiting through with insurance, and how are they going to get this fixed and get a contractor for that. So that's been quite, quite a big uh, taking in. So uh, today, as I said earlier, is International Day of Prayer for Persecuted Christians. And we're going to be spending some time praying. I, I'm, uh, the sermon today is not going to be very long because I want to have time for prayer. And uh, we're going to put that um, into practice. But um, one thing to think about as we're going through this, uh, the big idea for today is the Lord is my strength. The Lord is my strength. And, and in these times... Um, I believe, like I mentioned earlier, we, we as Christians in America, we've had it pretty good for quite a while. Now we're starting to see some uh, persecution kick in, not nearly as bad as what other people around the world have been facing for quite a while, but I, I think it is going to continue to escalate, especially uh, if we can't get uh, some of the sons of disobedience out of office this Tuesday and get some righteous people in office who fear God, who are trustworthy, and who hate bribes. As ex Exodus 18.21 says, those are the kind of people we're supposed to be putting in charge of thousands and hundreds and fifties and tens. So that's why it's so important for us as Christians, if you don't want to be ruled over people who don't fear God and worship themselves and their own agendas, then you need to go out and exercise your God-given right to, to vote, especially in this country, the, the best government that's ever been set up, a constitutional representative republic, which is based off of Exodus 18.21. And, and, and we, need to be good, we need to be good stewards of that. We need to be good ambassadors uh, of what God has, has given us. But we'll see what happens on Tuesday, but it, it, it will be very crucial, I believe, in the direction that this country is going. Uh, there's a lot of things that are in motion already that uh, I, I don't know what can really be, be done, you know, just looking at it from a statistical, uh, logical um, viewpoint. I mean, we know about the food crisis, the diesel shortage, you know, all, there's a lot of things in play that I'm not sure can really be reversed. Of course, God can do anything. He, you know, is my arm too short to save? Is my ear too dull to hear? Of course not. So, so that, that's why more than ever, especially now through, through Tuesday, we, we, we need to be praying and fasting for God to, to do a mighty work, or, or we certainly will be seeing calamity come our way very soon. Uh, but on that note, we need to keep in the forefront of our minds that uh, no matter what happens, the Lord is my strength. So that's kind of the big idea for today. So I'm just going to give you guys a little back, background on um, Habakkuk here. Uh, so Habakkuk prophesied um, as the southern kingdom of Judah faced imminent invasion by, by the Chaldeans uh, or the Babylonians. And as the wickedness of his own people grew. So, so that's a little bit of the, the background. So his own people are getting wicked and they've got, a, they've got another nation wicked that's coming to invade them. So as Habakkuk saw the wickedness of both his own people and the wickedness of the invaders of God, or, the, uh, or of the invaders that God was choosing to use as an instrument of correction, he questioned God. He questioned him. Has anyone ever, anyone ever questioned God before God? How can you allow this to happen? Why are you doing this? Yes, that, that's, that's good. It's, it, we, we need to ask questions and to, to process our, our thinking. So uh, his first question in Habakkuk chapter 1, 1 through 4, uh, he's basically inquiring about God's forbearance 
for the wickedness of Judah. Okay, why, you know, why, why is this happening? Don't, he says, what, why, do you, why do you make me see iniquity? And why do you idly look at wrong? He says, uh, uh, violence, uh, and, and will you not save? You know, he's, he's, he's seeing all this wickedness around him. It's like, God, what are you doing about it? Some of us might be asking the same question in our nation right now. God, don't you see all this wickedness in our nation? And we live in a very wicked nation. Innocent blood is still being shed. The image of God is being destroyed and mocked through Marxism, pushing transgenderism and, and destroying the nuclear family. We're, we're, we're seeing wickedness reign in, in our nation. It's like, God, don't you see that? So that, that's, that's kind of Habakkuk's complaint in the first part there. And then in, in Habakkuk chapter one, verses five through six, we see this. Uh, so this is God's response to that, God's answer. Look among the nations and see, wonder and be astounded. For I am doing a work in your days that you would not believe if told. For behold, I am raising up the Chaldeans, that bitter and hasty nation who march through the breadth of the earth to seize dwellings not their own. So right when Habakkuk doesn't think it could get any worse, then he finds out, guess what? I'm sending in this wicked nation to take over. Some of us have been thinking, could that happen to the United States? Absolutely it could. Absolutely it could. There could be a nation sent to destroy us. His second question uh, in Habakkuk chapter 1, 12 through 17. So in, in light of God's answer here to his first question. So now, he, now Habakkuk expresses dismay that God would use the Chaldeans who were more wicked than Judah in Habakkuk's estimation to punish Judah. Finally, the prophet ends the book with a hymnic prayer confessing his confidence in God and servitude to the will of God in the face of certain catastrophe. So he chooses to praise the Lord in spite of catastrophe that's coming. So, so nestled into these questions that Habakkuk poses and God's responses in this short book, and really in my Bible, I, I, I can read the whole thing on two pages. You know, here, here it is. I just went through it again this morning. Um, it's re really a short read. I encourage you to Re read, it, read it this week or today. But nestled in this short book are three principles of hope that every believer can rely on when their environment is chaos, when wicked people flourish, and when we seek certainty for, for today. So we're going to uh, start with a, a video here. This is going to be uh, a story of Rebecca, a biblical disciple living in Nigeria, who exemplifies what you should do when encountering those who oppose the advancement of the gospel, and hate you for your faithfulness to Christ. In her story, we're going to see a modern-day situation of what Habakkuk addressed and point our hearts toward a proper response as biblical disciples when all around us seems to fall apart. So let's, let's go ahead and watch that video. Really puts things into perspective, doesn't it? I, I'm absolutely astounded that someone could have that type of response, but only, only by making the Lord her strength. Before I forget, uh, if you were moved by that, uh, we here at Submerged Church are promoting, supporting Voice of the Martyrs on your bulletin. If you noticed, uh, as we're getting close to Christmas season, they've got a great program called um, with, with, with Christmas Care Packs. 
So uh, the website's there, it's, it's $35. They, they get a special pack that's got a Bible and other things and uh, they, they send it, uh, those specifically go towards children that have had to flee their home because of persecution. So it's kind of like, like Operation Christmas Child, except this, this one goes directly to families and children that uh, have been greatly persecuted for their faith. So, and there, there's all kinds of other ways too that you can support Voice of the Martyrs uh, at, at their website. So, so please consider that. Yeah, so their goal is to get a Bible in the hand of every believer. I mean, all, all of us here, I, I think the average household at least at one point has like five Bibles sitting around. You know, it, the Word of God is so easily accessible to us. And uh, we, we want to try to make that the same possibility with our, our brothers and sisters in Christ. So anyway... Um, and then everyone should have got one of these handouts as well. This is just a good reminder for us to be praying um, for our brothers and sisters that are being, being persecuted. So uh, I'm just going to zip through three main points here uh, of, of perspectives that we can have, especially after watching a video like that, um, so that we can have the same response uh, that Rebecca did when she was faced with that calamity. So uh, kingdom perspective number one, when calamity comes... We need to have a perspective of, of victory. So that's the first blank on the bullets in there. I've only got three fill-ins today. So uh, victory. When calamity comes, we can have a perspective of victory. Habakkuk 2 verse 4 says, Behold, his soul is puffed up. It is not upright within him, but the righteous shall live by his faith. Biblical disciples experience victory as they walk in righteousness of Christ during difficult times as they walk in the righteousness of Christ during difficult times. We're going to dissect some pieces of this verse. So, so the, word, the word but there, obviously, that, that contrasts those who are puffed up. Okay? Uh, lead, uh, this leads the reader to see a stark difference between living by faith and living accordance to the pursuits of this world. There's a difference. Uh, if, we, if we look at the righteous, so that's referring to just and righteous in conduct and character towards God. Uh, righteousness is attained through Christ's atonement alone, through Christ alone. Second Corinthians 5.21, he, he made him who knew no sin to be sin on our behalf so that we might become the righteousness of God in him. Isn't that amazing? Because of what Christ did, we can be righteous. Uh, biblical, biblical disciples thirst for and pursue Righteousness. Matthew 5, 6 says, Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness. 1 Timothy 6, 11 and 2 Timothy 2, 22 talks about pursuing righteousness. Matthew 6, 33 talks about the priority of seeking righteousness. Seek first his kingdom and his righteousness. And all these things will be given to you as well. Biblical disciples are persecuted for righteousness' sake, yet they are not forsaken. Matthew 5.10 says, Blessed are those who have been persecuted for the sake of righteousness, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Uh, 2 Timothy 3.12, Indeed, all who desire to live a godly life in Christ Jesus will be persecuted. Ask yourself this question. When was the last time you were persecuted as a Christian for living out your faith, for speaking up for God's truth? If it's been a while... We need to ask ourselves and be honest, am I, am I putting my faith into action? Am I being salt and light in the community? I mean, it's, we're, we're, we don't go out looking for trouble. I mean, I, I don't enjoy it, but I can't tell you how many times I've been standing in front of the abortion facility and someone yells something out the window and tells me I'm number one with the wrong finger and, and I'm just standing there holding a the sign that says, it's okay to like babies being born. <laughs> you know, it's like, wow. 
oh, this wicked generation we live in. But, but, but that's, that's nothing. You know, that's nothing compared to what, you know, people like Rebecca went through. She had her whole, she lost her husband. She lost her son. She lost her home. I, I haven't reached that point yet. Second Corinthians uh, Chapter four, verse nine says uh, that we're persecuted, but not forsaken, struck down, but not destroyed. And then uh, shall live by his faith. What does that mean? Well, shall live, the the Chaldeans are coming to bring judgment and destruction. But in the face of this calamity, the righteous live, the righteous live, bearing testimony to God. Uh, live, live by his faith. What does that mean? The faith of Christians is not simply a theory or philosophy, but an activation of our righteousness into daily living. We live by faith in good times and in bad. We live by faith when we express blessing and when we endure hardship. We live by faith at any cost. So victory is the first, that first kingdom perspective. Second kingdom perspective that we need to have when calamity comes is, is hope. Hope, that's that second kingdom perspective. When calamity comes, hope. Habakkuk chapter two, verse 14. For the earth will be filled with the knowledge of the glory of the Lord as the waters cover the sea. For the earth will be filled as the, as the water covers the sea. Let's talk about that. So, so the earth belongs to the Lord, as the psalmist declared in Psalm 24, verse one. Uh, the promise, the promise is, is certain. It says, will be, Okay. Uh, the promise is complete or, or filled as God does not make false promises. And, and this, promise, this promise is comprehensive when we look at it. It says, as the waters cover the sea, God, God's trying to help us understand. He gives the reader or the hearer a mental image of the span of God's redempted work. And for any of us here, the last time that you're out at the ocean and you look and it just keeps going and go, you know, there's, from, from our perspective, you know, there's, there's, no, there's no end to it. And that's how absolute God is about, about this promise, that the, the knowledge of the glory of the Lord. Okay, so, so with the knowledge of, what does that mean? Knowledge is the Hebrew word for yada. This, this knowledge is more than simple information. Our, our world is full of information about God. If you type God into any search engine, you'll probably have more than 3.5 trillion results, unless you use Google, because uh, <laughs> they're trying to erase God out of everything. Uh, results in, in, in under one second, in under one second. Uh, but, but information about God is not knowing God. We need to clarify that. Information, a lot of people know all kinds of things about God, but they don't know him. So what's the difference? So it, in Hebrew thought, knowledge, yada, is understood in relational terms. To know God is to be in right relationship with him. Just like when Jesus said, and this, and this is eternal life, that you would know God. You're in a right relationship with him. That's when eternal life begins. Ask yourself that today, Christian. Maybe you don't even claim to be a Christian and you're here today. Do, do you know God? Would you like to get to know him? Would you like to be in a relationship with him? My goodness, I, I love being in a relationship with the Lord. I, I need him. Uh, I don't trust myself without him. The glory of the Lord. What does that mean? So glory is the Hebrew word for Chabad. Uh, so this, this word is the technical term for God's manifest presence. Um, it's often represented in the Shekinah glory cloud that we see in Exodus 16.10. So that's one example of, of God's manifest presence. Uh, it's also represented as a consuming fire 
And, and we, uh, we see that in Exodus chapter 24, verse 7. But this glory involves honor or a position of power. So the glory of the Lord reveals himself and his character. Uh, Psalm 100, verse 5. For, for the Lord is good. His loving kindness is everlasting and his faithfulness to all generations. And then lastly, the third kingdom perspective here, when calamity comes, is joy. That's the third kingdom perspective that we can have when calamity comes, it is joy. Habakkuk chapter 3, 17 through 19. Though the fig tree should not blossom, nor fruit be on the vines, the produce of the olive fail, the, yield, the fields yield no food, the flock be cut off from the fold, and there be no herd in the stalls, yet I will rejoice in the Lord. I will take joy in the God of my salvation. God, the Lord, is my strength. So all of these circumstances that are mentioned here in verses 17 uh, through 18, they, they are the result of the devastation caused by the invading Chaldean army, causing suffering to all of Judah. Now, this devastation touched every aspect of the Judean life. Let's look at these specifically. So first, the, the fig. That was the primary staple food. It was also a symbolic of wealth and prosperity. Gone. Fruit of the vine. They had wine for feasts and festivals, celebrations. It was also symbolic of joy. Gone. No more fruit of the vine. Olive oil. That was pressed three times. Used for anointing in the temple, for lamps and light, for medicinal purposes. It was also symbolic of God's covenant blessing. That's gone. Next one. Uh, it says that the fields, the fields yield no food. So that was likely grain for bread, which was considered to be a gift from God. Remember, manna the manna that God provided in the wilderness. That bread is a gift from God. Well, that's gone. Uh, next one. So it says that the flock be cut off from the fold. So animals are scattered to the wild. Future herds are vulnerable to predators and thieves. And then lastly, where it says, um, no herd in the stalls. So that means no meat for consumption and no animals for sacrifice. Isn't that incredible when you look at each of those things specifically and what it would have meant to their culture? They, they lost everything. It's, it's gone. Okay. Yet, let's look at that word yet. That's a term of contrast or a change of direction. Okay. So, so Habakkuk, or Habakkuk moves from describing devastation to a declaration of joy. He moves from abject desolation to absolute jubilation. What a, what a turn. Okay, so the natural reaction of human beings to calamity is dejection or depression, right? Some of us even sitting right here, we're seeing what's going on in the world, even in this country. It's like, oh, it, it, can, be, it can be easy to allow ourselves to go into that place of dejection and depression. But the reaction found only in our faith is absolute joy. That's the reaction that can only be found in our faith as Christians, is absolute joy, no matter what the calamity is that we face as biblical disciples. Notice it says, I will rejoice. So this declaration is the prophet's choice, even in the face of coming judgment. He's choosing to rejoice. This is not a form of self-help or, or mind over matter thinking. It is God working in the mind and the heart of his beloved to give Habakkuk the capacity to rejoice in the face of calamity. It is a gift from God to be able to have joy in these circumstances. Uh, the words where it says, I, I will take joy. Uh, here's a quote 
largely unknown, possibly from a Scottish preacher, but it goes like this. Joy is the flag that is flown from the citadel of the heart when the king is in residence. Isn't that, isn't that neat? I think even in London now, they, they, you know, they fly the flag when the, well, now King Charles is there, I guess. Um, I'll say that again. So joy is the flag that is flown from the citadel of the heart when the king is in residence. Is King Jesus in residence in your heart? If he is, you can fly the flag of joy, no matter what you're going through. Joy is the fruit of a right relationship with God, regardless of the circumstance one faces. Uh, unlike pleasure or enjoyment, joy is not created by one's own efforts. It's a gift from God. And then lastly here, God the Lord is my strength. So how is the prophet able to choose to rejoice and fly the flag of joy in his life? Well, it's because his life is anchored in God, the Lord, who is his strength, just like he was for Rebecca in Nigeria. God did not transfer some type of super spiritual strength to Habakkuk. Rather, God himself became Habakkuk's strength. Um, there's other scripture that provide further insight into the strength of the Lord. First uh, Timothy 1.12 says this, I thank him who has given me strength, Christ Jesus our Lord, because he judged me faithful, appointing me to his service. Uh, Ephesians 3.16, that according to the riches of his glory, he may grant you to be strengthened with power through his spirit in your inner being. Ephesians 3.16. So from the message here, the big idea once again, the Lord is my strength. We must make the Lord our strength during this time. Uh, and now we are going to join uh, this global prayer movement, and we're going to go through some slides with some specific statements and specific prayer requests. So uh, I'll, I'll, read, I'll read the first screen, and then I'll pray. And then, and then at the end, there's one that says, um, my prayer today. When we get to that, I'm going to have everybody stand, and we'll read that prayer out loud. But we can just stay seated uh, for this part. So first slide there says, Christians living on the world's most dangerous frontier mission fields cherish God's word. They cherish God's word. Um, so the prayer for that, let's just pray for them. Father, we pray that every Christian living in hostile areas and restricted nations will receive their own copy of the Bible. May your word go forth. Amen. Uh, persecutors around the world are threatened by God's word and seek to destroy or remove Bibles in order to discourage the witness of Christians. So let's pray for that. Father, we pray that Christians will be wise as serpents and innocent as doves, as it says in Matthew 10, 16, as they smuggle and distribute Bibles. And Lord, we also pray that persecutors who seize Bibles will read them and place their trust in Christ. In Jesus' name, amen. Placing a Bible in the hands of every believer living on the world's most dangerous and difficult frontier mission fields will encourage them to be bold witnesses for Christ. So let's pray for that. Father, we pray uh, that we may hasten the fulfillment of your promise that the earth will be filled with the knowledge of the glory of the Lord as the waters cover the sea, Habakkuk 2.14. And then lastly, our, our prayer today. Let's go ahead and stand up and we'll pray, pray this out loud together. May this be true of us. So my prayer today, Heavenly Father, inspire me through the example of my persecuted brothers and sisters to cherish your word. May we serve you boldly so that others may be filled with the knowledge of your glory. Amen. Amen. All right, you may have a seat.
Okay, now to end our service here, I know we had a lot packed into one Sunday. Um, Today also we are in the midst of a uh, prayer and fasting time that's connected to TPUSA Faith. We know we've got the election coming up on November 8th. So those who are on the email, you should have received some information about that. But uh, November 5th, which was yesterday through the 8th, we're encouraging our members to pray and fast for the election coming up. Um, As we've talked about, this is uh, such a crucial time for our nation. So we're just going to quickly, as as we are running out of time, and then we'll uh, have communion. But um, I'd like to just uh, real real briefly, in fact, um, Pastor Bob, would you you mind just coming up and leading us through the, there should be another slide with four points that we'll kind of pray through together. Yeah, just since we're running short on time, would you you mind... uh, Okay, and, and, and well, he, he texted me one of these. Uh, num- number three there is one that he's been, da- been daily praying, but uh, if you would, uh, I know this has been on Bob's heart as well, but if you would just join Bob as he prays um, th- through these requests. Yeah, yeah if, if you can, let's just uh, stand again yeah. and uh, go before God. Um, Father, you're a good God. You're a great God, Father. You're a true God. Lord, you reign. Uh, We just thank you, Lord. Through the risen Christ, uh, uh, we are in possession of every uh, bold and precious promise from your word as well as grace. Thank you, Lord, uh, for the power uh, that your word brings uh, for daily living. Lord, we just uh, commit this time closing today and ask you, Father, uh, that you would be We pray and fast and beseech you for our nation, Father, falling uh, into the clutches more and more of the godless, the ruthless, and the senseless. Uh, We ask you, Lord, that righteousness would prevail at the ballot box, that you would expose cheating and corruption, Father, how you're a God that loves, you said in Psalm 97, righteousness and justice are the foundation of your Amen. We pray that over the ballot boxes around around the country this coming uh, election. Lord, we just ask you, uh, God, that you would raise up uh, a renewed and a bold Christian Mm. community, Father, uh, to vote, uh, to be engaged, Lord, to understand, uh, Lord, Mm. it's, it's, it's not about civil liberties, Lord. It's about religious liberties, yes, Lord. Lord. And uh, none greater than being free in Christ, as Paul said in Galatians 5.1. It is for freedom that Christ has set us free, Lord. We know mm. there's enemies around the world, and there's certainly enemies in this country, enemies yes. of freedom, God, uh, who are doing the devil's bidding to steal, kill, and destroy. And we ask you to bind them, Father, in the name of Jesus, Amen. God. Yes, Lord. Bind them, Father. I pray their plans and their strongholds come to ruin, Lord. I pray you expose, Lord, them, their lies. And lastly, Lord, just as you did in the days of Gideon, you pour out your spirit, God, a spirit of stupor, and throw Mm. our enemies into confusion. Yes, amen. That righteousness and victory will prevail. Uh, Lord, uh, we're at a crossroads, Lord. I believe every day we're at a crossroads in this nation as individuals, whether to choose or reject you, Father. And I pray it would be a resounding message this Tuesday, Father, yes. that we choose you. Yes, Lord. Uh, 
And Lord, that you would uh, be restored, uh, Lord, mm. as the sovereign leader of our country, of our Amen. nation. Yes. And that you'd raise up men and women who fear God, Lord, and uh, want to govern justly and rightly. Mm -hmm. And we thank you, Father, for this in Jesus' name. Mm. Amen. Amen.